Up next, the news you can use from YAA. It's your 30-minute fix for all your car questions, industry news, and tips you can use when buying your next vehicle. We're your hosts, Ray and Zach Shepska, the founders of YAA. We're here every weekday, live at noon Eastern. Check us out at joinyaa.com. Come on, get in! Oh my, it's noon on, well, Tuesday, January 11th. So this is news that you can use from YAA. With your thirsty buddy Zach and your dear friend Ray, how are you today, handsome? Howdy, pops. Jim using howdy. Leon saying that's his word. They're all with us here this morning. Mike's here. Igor's here. Jay Nagami, Justice, Jimmy, Space. Oh my Perhaps. God! You know what? You know what's not here in my apartment? Heat. <laughs> yeah, warm temperatures. I believe it might be twelve degrees, and I I'm getting ready to set a fire. Only problem is I don't have a fireplace. All right, Pops. So here's what I wanted to do today for today's show. I wanted to talk a little bit more about a topic we spoke about yesterday to kick things off, which was the language in that Ford memo and in the dealership agreement. Then we have used car data galore. I know I didn't queue you up for this, but we got the Black Book report. And we also have from Cox Automotive, um, Mannheim put out a, uh, the headline is no used vehicle values are not going to crash. So I wanted to walk through that article from Cox Automotive as well. Maybe they should get together with the good folks at KMPG and 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 they can they can duke it out. Or was K- it K KPMG? Whoever the heck it was. KPMG. KPMG. That's what I said. Isn't that what he I said? said? K, he said KM. He said KPMG. Yeah, buddy. Okay, so let's kick things off here with that. Um, at the addendum or the addendum, the memo that was sent out. We talked about this yesterday. I want to come back to this language because I want to understand that again. I know we discussed it, but like, you gotta you gotta coach me up here. Like this this pisses me off, and I just genuinely don't understand it. Which was this language right here. This behavior is not allowable under paragraph six of the sales and service agreement. Paragraph six, subsection I, states that the dealer shall conduct dealership operations in a manner that will reflect favorably at all times on the reputation of the dealer, other company authorized dealers, the company, company products, and trademarks and trade names used or claimed by the company or any of its subsidiaries the dealer shall avoid in every way any quote bait deceptive misleading confusing or illegal advertising or business practices i wanted to have this conversation because you've expressed to me in the past your relationship with like your factory rep for example and that was always tenuous why 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 is there this tension and why doesn't the manufacturer actually enforce their rules like well that's that's part of why there's tension Okay. Like in what ways are there tension? I guess is what I'm trying to understand. Well, well, there's we're, there's tension because, in my opinion, and this is strictly my opinion, and 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 you know, Igor might agree or disagree. Uh, others who who have owned or presently owned dealerships might agree or disagree. But in my opinion, the factory likes to come off as if they're your partner. They are not. They are a separate entity. They care about themselves. They don't care necessarily about you. And the reason I say that is when there is a glut of inventory, and I've I've lived through times when there's been a glut of inventory, the manufacturers have absolutely no problem sticking it to the dealers and telling them, well, geez, we need you to do us a favor and take these cars. Uh, we need you to take these extra cars. Um, and, and then at the end of the year, um, when your dealership has lost money, 
because your partner has 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 begged and forced these cars on you. They don't write a check to make you whole. Okay, they were concerned about getting the vehicles off of their books and onto your books. Um, they come in and and oftentimes they try to tell you how you should conduct your business when the way they tell you to conduct your business is 180 degrees from the way they conduct their business. Um, so that's why I always had issues with my factory reps. It was always, what can you do for the factory and not what can the factory do for you? Pops, do you remember this story? Uh, I'm going to pull it up on my screen. We posted about it back on the YAA website. This comes from October 2nd of, wait, are we in 2022? Yeah, we are. Holy cow. This is from October 2nd, 2020. We've been working on YA for a while, man. Good for you. Yeah, well, we have. But, you know, that's only it's only 14 months. That's still a long time from ago. From that time, yeah. BMW finally got caught. $18 million in fines, and this is just the beginning. This comes from the Security and Exchange Commission. Um, I'll read this out really quickly because I think it ties in with, with the language that's back in the dealership agreement. According to the SEC's order from 2015 to 2019, BMW inflated its reported retail sales in the U.S., which helped BMW close the gap between its actual retail sales volume and internal targets and publicly maintain a leading retail sales position relative to other premium automotive companies. The order finds that BMW of North America, BMW NA, maintained a reserve of unreported vehicle sales referred to internally as the, quote, bank. Do you have a bank, Pops? Uh, I do. It's just not filled with vehicles. <laughs> that it used to meet internal monthly sales targets without regard to when the underlying sales occurred. That seems off. The order also mm. finds that BMW NA paid dealers to inaccurately designate vehicles as demonstrators or loaners so that BMW would count them as having been sold to customers when they had not been. Additionally, the order finds that BMW NA improperly adjusted its retail sales reporting calendar in 2015 and 2017 to meet internal sales targets or bank excess retail sales for future use. As a result, according to the order, the information that BMW provided to investors in the bond offerings by BMW's U.S. financing subsidiary, BMW U.S. Capital LLC, and to credit rating agencies contained material misstatements and omissions regarding BMW's U.S. retail vehicle sales. And again, the memo from Ford says... Uh, the dealer should shall conduct dealership operations in a manner that will reflect favorably at all times. Dot dot dot. The dealer shall avoid in every way any bait, deceptive, misleading, confusing, or illegal advertising or business practices. Like, do you see the irony here, or am I just like, you know, am I am I picking picking the wrong pieces? Uh, well, they speak out of both sides of their mouth, Zach. It's just it's just that simple. Um, it it. It always has been that simple. It will continue to remain that simple. Um, they will say one thing to one group, another thing to another group. Uh, but when it comes to their dealers, and you have paragraph six, subsection I, um, you know, one of the reasons that there's tension between dealers and manufacturers is because of the way that manufacturers selectively enforce that paragraph okay they they don't they you know it's in there to protect them legally so that yeah. they 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 have a way to try and uh, uh force dealers uh to give up their franchises if if the manufacturer deems that should happen but they they so rarely enforce it it's just it's pure unadulterated 
BS. It, it is what it is. Nobody wants to call it out for what it is, but, but that's what it is. Um, you know, the reason Ford is, is doing what they're doing is they, they resent the fact that members of the public, okay, um, will be able to buy a Lightning and turn around and resell it and make a profit. And, and, and they don't want members of the public to be able to do that. Well, you know, members of the public allow Ford to make profit. Why, why can't Ford allow the public to make a profit? Yeah, no, I hear you loud and clear. It's just, I guess, I guess I'm naive, honestly, or maybe I'm still like. Well, no, I'm you're not business. naive. You're you're 26. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, we're in business, right? Like, we have investors. We got a thing yeah. we're trying to grow and build. But like, I exercise like really sound. I don't know, like things that you and mom taught me when I was in kindergarten. Like, I'm honest and I'm truthful and like you know I treat people with respect. And then you see this stuff, and it's and you're right, it's talking out of both sides of your mouth. I don't understand how that gets you very far. But I guess when you have a giant incumbent business where billions of dollars flow through it, you don't have to worry that much because you're a giant incumbent business. I don't like it, though. I really, really, it, well, it frustrates the hell out of me. It, 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 has, it has to do with whether or not on a corporate level you want to do the right things or the wrong things. Um, you know, what is your moral compass, whether it be as an individual or as a corporation? And yeah. if you have no moral compass, if your moral compass is is really uh, how much money can we make? Yep. If your moral compass is strictly greed, then it takes you down the path that, that Ford and most major corporations go. Um, if your moral compass, uh, compass is something different than that, um, where you believe uh, in doing things the right way, where that's important to you, uh, where your reputation is important game, right? to you. Like we've talked about it. It's playing the long game. Like Ford's not playing the long game. Well, Ford's not playing the long game. Well, the, the, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they've been in the long game. They've been around for over 100 years. They played so, the long game. Now they're playing the short game. Now it's like maximize how much money we can make. Yes. I, I get it. I get yeah, it. I and, like, and, get it. And maybe when Yaw's around for for a hundred years, and and uh, your grandchildren are running the company, um, you know, may, maybe they'll think, well, we don't have enough money. We need to make more. I don't will know. We, will we still be the fastest growing Swedish startup out there? Swedish automotive startup? Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> let's switch gears, pops, because Sammy's comment right here actually speaks yes. to what I want to talk about next, which is the used car market. I bought a used BMW X4 M40i at yeah. the dealer. For $53,000 in October, so three months ago. Yeah. The room just picked it up for $56,000 two days ago. Yeah. Now they're selling it for $61,000, Dad. I'd like to talk about used car prices with you. We've got Black Book data, and we also have from Cox Automotive. Do you mind if we start with the Cox, uh, Co Do you mind if we start with the Cox Automotive article? Well, since you're having such a hard time with that, I think we should start with the Cox Automotive article. All right, here it is. Came out literally just this morning, hot off the press. My dad hasn't even looked at it yet. The headline is, no, used vehicle values are not going to crash. So if you haven't been around on the channel recently, we did talk a lot about the KPMG, which if you're interested in it, just go to Google and type in KPMG used car. Yeah, just, just search for it and it'll pop right up and you can download the PDF. It's an interesting read. It presents four different scenarios for what could happen, all of which yield with used car prices tumbling back to earth at some point. 
And the headline here is, no, they're not going to crash. And what's interesting, let me come down to it here. A key topic of discussion, of course, was the elephant in the room. Has the recent run-up of used vehicle prices set the market up for a crash in 2022? Um But here's the bottom line. The fundamentals of the market do not support such a scenario. The core argument behind the crash scenario seems to rest on the premise that the retail used vehicle prices and retail new vehicle prices are severely out of whack. If you remember, Dad, from the KPMG uh, piece, they showed a chart. New car prices were up 17%. Used car prices were up, what was it, like 35%? Something like that, yes. But in fact, the relationship, the gap between new and used is not very far from the range experienced within the last decade. In 2019, the average new vehicle price was 179% of the average used vehicle price. In 2021, the average was 163%. The gap in 2021 narrowed because used retail prices increased 25% while new vehicle average transaction prices increased 14%. So the argument that they're making here in the Cox Automotive write-up is essentially the gap actually isn't that big and that the declines that we're expecting to see shouldn't be 20, 30%, but it'll be more typical this year, like the typical depreciation, a few percentage points. Listen, the reason, land with you. <laughs> the, the, the reason I don't think used car prices are going to crash is because there's still going to be a shortage of used cars and there's going to be a shortage of new cars. Um, and until uh, there are increases in both, inventory levels in both new and used, then you're not going to see a a crash. You know, while there's a shortage, there's usually never a crash. Okay. The crash happens when there's an abundance of things and that's what causes the prices to go down. Um, So I I don't, I don't see where the shortage of vehicles, the, the, the limited amount of inventory is going to be significantly impacted this year to, to have used car prices crash or or even decline. So that's, so, so they, in this article, they outlined four different scenarios where used car prices declined precipitously for a period. I'm going to read them out to you because you were in the business for all of them. Okay. And I want to get your take on. Perfect. Perfect. I I lived through each and every one of these scenarios. Three of them. Three of them. them. Okay. The fourth one is what's going on right now. Okay. Following the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York City in September 11th, uh, September 2001, excuse me, used vehicle values declined 5.7% over two months as the economy struggled to get back on its feet. Values fully recovered within six months. Does that ring true? Do you remember that experience being in the dealership? Yes. Yes, I remember that. I mean, it was, you know, it was a tough time for for everybody because yeah. of, of what had transpired. Um so yeah, I, I I remember that there was there was a negative impact on business and there was a negative impact on pricing, or I guess you could say a positive impact if yeah. you're a consumer. Then the next one that they mentioned in the lease implosion of the fall of 2002, used vehicle values declined 11.3 percent over an eight month period and took 35 months to fully recover. This, however, was a relatively unique market problem with far and away too much new and used supply. Do you remember anything back in 2002? The lease implosion? What the heck's that? I I I you know I I worked through it. I I didn't make as much money in 2002 as I as I might have in 2001. Yeah, you know, and as I and and as I did later, uh, you know, there there's always swings in the car business. Uh, I got one more for you. Okay, 2008, when the global financial system was close to collapse, used vehicle values declined 12.6 percent over three months. Values took seven months to recover. 
yeah, there, you know, the great recession scared a lot of people and rightfully so. And, and, uh, and when suddenly the, that the housing bubble burst and people who were using their home equity line, lines of credit and their, and, and their alleged home equity to buy cars. Um, yeah, it, 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 all of a sudden there weren't as many people in the market because all these people were underwater and they could no longer figure out a way to how to get above water. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. I, I, yeah, I, I can tell you that the year before the crash at the Acura store that I ran, okay, we averaged for the year 104 new cars sold per month. Okay. okay? Um, when, when I was uh, asked to leave, um during the middle of the great recession um we were we were averaging about 50 new car sales per month which was still the the volume leader in our market believe it or not um i think it was two or three months after i had been relieved of my duties that suddenly the store was selling between 15 and 20 new cars a month on average Okay, so the 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 decline in sales was was uh, well precipitous to say the least. Uh, there was like an eighty percent drop in sales in in the Phoenix metro area for the Acura's dealerships. Um, so yeah, I mean those were some of the toughest times I have ever experienced in the automobile business. Definitely. All right. A few comments here in the chat, and then let's look at the Black Book report from Igor. Cox Automotive just trying to justify the higher profits they're enjoying and flipping it on some data that has very, uh, very little relative to the current situation. You know, it is interesting. Like, we have these clearinghouses for information that are like the Cox Automotives of the world that profit off of the fact sure. that, 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 you know, the industry is more profitable than ever yeah, before. But, but I, I would, I would also say that. That Cox Automotive, since they, uh, hi Michael, um, Cox Automotive, since you know so much of their business is uh, auctions and selling cars at auctions, um, would love to have a return of the good old days uh, where there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cars being sold at their auctions on a weekly basis. Um, you know where there used to be maybe three thousand cars at a particular auction on a weekly basis now maybe there's a thousand so that impacts cox in a negative way as well um yeah. you know their business model is, is let let's run these auctions let's charge the fees and you know they're, they're losing out on fees definitely definitely all right let's take a peek at the black book report and then come back to the chat here though let's take a look dad prices wholesale weekly went down Yes, for, I believe for what the third week in a row, the third week in a row that we've seen declines in wholesale prices, which yes. also we're we're seeing and we're, we're hearing from many people, their Carvana offers going down, Vroom offers going down. It makes sense. I mean, we're seeing like a, a bit of a plateau right now. Our expectation still is that come springtime these prices will go back up, but we we you know week after week, yes, uh, prices have gone down. And when you look at the different segments of vehicles, I mean, some of them are are starting to move, not as much as we need them to, but like. It's going in the right direction right now. Well, in the car segment, every segment that they measure declined, yep. which hasn't happened in, God, I don't know how long. Very long time. Yes. 
take a peek at trucks and SUVs. Vans, man, vans, vans, vans. Still appreciating week over week. Vans are yes. in such high demand and such short supply. Um, it's pretty incredible what's happening there. But may I say, when you look at when you look at the amount of declines, yeah, um, the percentage wise, it's it's you know we, we there were weeks where uh, used car values at the auctions were were up over a point. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we're talking about two tenths of a point. And that's the biggest decline we've seen over this three week period of time. I mean, you know, the declines have been uh, 0.003% or 0.005%. This is the first time where, where it's a, it's a two tenths of a point. And, 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 you know, that, that doesn't mitigate to any degree, the amount of increases, the, the the high percentage of increases that we had seen. I mean, used car values were up 36% at the auctions uh, during the course of the year. And, and so, you know, a two-tenths of a point decline or... Maybe maybe we're up to almost three tenths of a point decline in the if you if you make an accumulative decline over the last three weeks, that's really nothing in comparison to what the increases had been. And we talk about it frequently, Dad. There are two used car prices: the wholesale price and the retail price. And I want to show you here back in the Black Book report. This is what we're not. I don't say frustrated by, but it's like what we're expecting. Here's the retail listings weekly price index. Right. So purple line is last year. Yes. We ended last year with retail prices being up over 35%, close to 37%. Green line. We got a new color on the chart. Green line. Well, because that's 2022. You restart. You start at zero. <laughs> okay. And that's the thing. Which direction is it going? It's going up. And then if you scroll down and you look, this is a chart that shows used retail listings volume. So how many used cars are actually listed for sale? And so that's it, dropped. And it's dropped. Yes. And that's like that's that's the recipe for prices retail prices to continue to go up and that's also like a leading indicator for why we think wholesale prices will come back up if retail price if retail listings are going down that means there's just not enough inventory like we've talked about uh, and and yeah. there's not and and um you know let's face it retail prices lag behind wholesale costs um usually 6 to 8 weeks before it's ever reflected in in the marketplace if it is reflected in the marketplace well, six to eight weeks from now puts us at the beginning of March, which is, well, typically the start of the spring selling season. So yeah. you, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect to really see any decline in retail pricing um, following the decline in wholesale values because it's going to happen right at right at the beginning of the spring selling season. Okay, so I'm I'm reading the chat pops. Um, that's the used car market update. We'll we'll continue weekly, and we have the data back on the website. So I'm reading the chat. So the title of today's stream was like, "Why do car dealers treat their customers so poorly?" And we've got a good conversation going on about people having positive and negative experiences at the dealership. Mm-hmm. Should we open a dealership someday? Like I I I this is what I was going to call you about last night. I was thinking about. I went for a run, and I yeah. was thinking, like, because we do streams like this, we talk about it. Like, if we open a dealership. We're not doing this, by the way. Like, no one, but I'm curious. I think like, I'm pressure testing with my dad right now and everyone in the room. Like, if we opened a dealership, here's what I would want to do yeah. everything's at cost. Sales. You would want to what? Everything's at cost. Yeah. Sales, service, parts, everything's at cost. Yeah. And, like, the experience is nice. 
but then you have to pay some sort of membership. Like you have to be a YA member to like be to like buy stuff from the dealership to get your car repaired at that dealership. Like I'm thinking like Carvana, but the only way you get in is if you have your Costco card. Does that make sense? No. Why but, not? but but it's but it's a it's a because you know um, you you. you you can't sell everything at cost, okay? Why if not? You, let me finish. If if you you know how much is how much is the yearly membership going to? I be? don't know. I didn't do any math. I was just okay. Well, you know, okay. So you want to attract people. So what's the yearly membership going to be? A hundred bucks? No, like a thousand bucks. bucks Nine hundred ninety-nine. Oh, so why know. would anybody pay you a thousand dollars a year so yeah, that they could buy point. stuff at cost? It just seems like way too much money up front. Um, but. But the, here's the bigger thing. The, the, we make the, it a nonprofit. What about that? Well, we already are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how can you make it what it already is? Um, but but the, the, the title of today's stream was, Why Do Car Dealers Treat Their Customers So Poorly? And the simple answer is because they can. Okay? Because the customers won't demand better. Uh, because the customers put up with it. It, it, it all goes back to voting with your wallet. If, as a consumer, Dad, let me finish. Franchise dealer laws. Yeah. If, as a consumer, you don't like the way you're treated, then don't spend your money there. If, as a consumer, you're at a dealership and you don't like the way they're they're negotiating a car deal with you then don't reward them with your business. Go find a dealer that will honor your time and your effort and your energy and, and not try to, to, to rip you off. Don't re I mean, I used to run into it all the time with people. Okay. Where, you know, a dealer would, would give them such a low ball offer on the new car that nobody could touch. And well, and the dealer that gave me that offer had no intentions of selling the car at that price. And so I used to say to the customer, here's your moral dilemma. How you handle it's up to you. But your moral dilemma is, do you want to reward somebody with your business that lied to you to get you to show up at their business? Or do you want to reward somebody that told you the truth during the entire transaction? It's entirely up to you. Well, the problem is, is that too many people are willing to reward the dealer that lied to them with their business. So why do dealers treat customers poorly? Because the customers allow them to. It's I, just I, that I, simple. I, I get I, I understand where you're coming from, but also like there are all sorts of constructs, legal and regulatory that enable it as well. Like so. So if I have to buy a car, dad, what are my options? I can't go buy it from the manufacturer. I mean, I no, can't, but you can, but you can, you can search out the dealer that isn't going to, isn't going to manipulate the entire process. You know, they they do work, exist. You're busy. I'm you're sorry. Kids. Okay. And, and as far as your idea, well, oh, you, but, should, you should see this comment. No, no but, 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 but yeah. if, 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 if you had a dealership, don't sell things at cost, but make it clear as to how much over cost you're going to yeah. charge for each item. That to me makes more sense because all anybody ever asks realistically is, is what people are asking for when they go to buy a car is that you is that you don't rip me off okay so if you're if it's all transparent if it's 
Do you yeah, buy a new car? Seven percent or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. Like if you buy a new car, it's it's going to be our but cost plus seven hundred and fifty dollars. Huh? Like the repairs, the maintenance, the parts. Like I feel like that's all this black box too. Like everything should just be sure. Everything should just be like set. You know. Well, it it could just be X amount of dollars over what your cost is. That's all, and and you can. And you can literally show people what your cost is. Now, whether or not they want to believe you, that's up to them. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if I speak the truth and you don't want to believe it, that's your problem. That ain't my problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, Igor. So we, we have a community member who has owned and operated dealerships. And this is the comment. Zach, do you yeah. want to invest $30 million on a dealership and lose it all in the two to three years? <laughs> yeah, okay. I got it. I got it. It yeah. was just a treadmill thought. And you guys all know me by now. Like, I'm, I'm happy to be open about it. But, like, that's why do car dealers treat people the way that they do? Because they can get away with it. Who's doing things differently? Carvana's doing things differently. Vroom's doing things differently. They're also doing things poorly, right, that we, yes. we talked about. I'm pleased with the platform that we're building to help enable people through this process. I feel like there's more work, obviously, more work that we can do. Like, you always say, find the good dealers. We got to eventually we got to have, like, dealership reviews. We got to community driven. Oh, wait, we do. We do. Wait, what am I talking about? What am I talking? Share my screen. Damn it, yeah. Zach. Remember we do that. have community reviews. Everyone go to joinya.com. Yeah. Resources. Forum. Justice. Yeah. Shout out and thank you to you. I hope you're feeling well. Go yeah, I, hope he's to, I hope his daughter's well. Yep. Go down to dealership reviews. Click on this one. Well, you can view like all of the dealership reviews right yes. here. There are 122 of them. Or you can click here and you can go to the spreadsheet. And you can see everything on the spreadsheet here. So, you know what? Damn it. We are doing a good job. I am proud of us. And also, we have the live chat. We're just posting the community. So, you know what? Damn it. I am actually very proud of us. We will help you find that dealership that's not going to you know, play hardball with you, not going to do the smoke and mirrors. So, there you go. I'm ending tonight's, today's stream on a high note. I feel good now. Well, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad you're feeling better. This is a good therapy <laughs> session. Yeah, yeah. Somebody suggested yesterday that we figure out how to Photoshop your hair onto my head. Um, and and I would be curious as to exactly what that would look like. Um, I'll ask James. I'll see if he can he can make that happen. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't would I mean and, and I might not I might not like the look. You know, Will you post it on your Instagram. Would I? Yeah. Sure. That's scary. I have no shame, you know that. <laughs> All right, Bob. We'll be back tomorrow. Today's conversation resonated with me, so thank you for that. Also, back on the on the YAA channel, um, I don't know if the video is coming out today or tomorrow, but I, I watched it. It's like an F&I role play video that I am so proud of. I think it's probably our most educational video that we've done in like a year. I am super yeah. excited for that to drop. So check it out on the YAA channel. Have you watched it yet? It's unlisted. I have not. I have not, but, but I will. I promise. Yep, yep. And like Justin said, whoops, remember to like this video. Thank you, Yeah, Justin. yeah, yeah. Like the video. We're not. <laughs> All right, Bob. I'll catch you later on. Yep. Love you, handsome. Talk to you later. Love you too. Bye. Yep. Join us again next time. Which is probably tomorrow. To get the news you can use from YAA. YAA is your trusted source for all things auto. Thanks for listening. See you soon.